Shalom, Abraham, Rav, the Messiah, Baba, Kamad, Av, Tzadi, today's Dav discusses Av, De, Melug, who are essentially property of the wife, but the husband gets the Paris. Who has to set this Eved free if they knock out his Shane or Ayin? Then we discuss an Eved being sold, but for the first 30 days he still works for his original owners. Who's going to be Chayev for the Allah of Yom Yom We discuss the various levels of Busha, of embarrassment, of things that people can do to embarrass. We discuss how you hide from embarrassing somebody, even if they would do it to themselves. An interesting story over there. And then we begin discussing Ein Eid Naase Dayon. And the Gemara begins by suggesting that the Takanus Usha is a Machalikistano. I mean, remember, the Takanus Usha was that the husband retains rights in his wife's property, even though he just gets to use the Paris. If his wife sells it, and then his wife predeceases the husband, the husband is allowed to go and collect that property because he owns the Paris. That's Takanus Usha. Where do we see this as a machlekes tanoim? Well, we have two different brises. One brise says that avde melug avodim that the wife brings into the marriage, but it's still her property. If the wife pops out her his shayna regal, he goes free, but not if the husband does. So you see that it's very much the wives. The other brise, however, says that the guy doesn't go free. The avid doesn't go free by either the husband or the wife knocking out a shayna or ayin. So we're assuming that everyone holds that Kenyan Paris, that the husband's rights to the Paris, the produce of this Eved, is not like he actually owns Eved himself. The Mechalikas is as follows. Tano says that the wife still retains her ownership in the way that if he were, if she were to knock out a shin and I, and she sets him free. He doesn't hold it the Tekana Susha. This Tana holds that it's completely the property of the husband. Or rather, entirely the property of the wife. The husband doesn't retain ownership because he has the papers. And the other Tana, who says that neither the husband or wife will let him free with Shane and Ayan, they do hold the Tekana Susha. But the Gemara has three ways of explaining this Mechlechus and the says that doesn't involve Tekana Susha. The first one is as follows. Everyone holds that there is a Takana Susha. It's just that the Brites were in at different time periods. One was before the Takana was made, and the other was after the Takana was made. Second answer, even if you want to say that the both after the Takana Susha was established to say that the husband retains those rights, they're arguing in Rava. Because otherwise, why would the wife still have the ability to free this husband, or the, the Eved, or the, why, would he, why would she be obligated to if she knocks out his eye? Because Rava has this halacha, the hektish chometz and shichror, a.k.a. freeing an Eved popping out his eye. You're even allowed to be mafkia. You're allowed to extract this property from a lien, from a shibut, even though it's owed to somebody. And in our case, this would fit in the idea that she owes the Eved to her husband. Her obligation to free the Eved overrides the Shibud. So even though she owes this Eved to her husband, the Chi of Shechra, according to Rava, is that she has to free him. So it's Machalikas, whether this actually applies. Does she actually have to free him or not? Do we agree with Rava or not? That's Machalikas Tanoim. So the Chayra, we have a Machalikas Tanoim in Rava. And the Gemara says, no, no, no. Everyone holds of Rava. Over here, the Rabbonin in Usha we're just strengthening the Baal's right to the Paris of this Eved to even overrule Rava's accepted 
halacha. Normally, you're right, the wife would have to free him. The Rabbanon and Usha, they made the shibut so strong to the husband that she can't free him. The third explanation to explain the Mechlech Kastanoim is that everyone doesn't hold of this whole Mechlech Kastanoim with the Kodesh Usha. Over here, the Mechlech is just whether Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Haguf or not. Is it the husband's or not? Just because he has the Paris doesn't make him the owner. And this Mechlech as we have in a Brayasa that if someone sells us Eved, and he tells the guy who he's selling it to, it's yours, he's yours, but I get to use him, he's, he's, he's working for me for the first 30 days. So aka, he's still holding on to the payers of the Ebed for the first 30 days. We have a four-way machlekas. So we have a halacha of yoim o yoim magim. There's a special chumra by an Ebed that if you hit him, and he only dies later because of this wound. Normally, we could say that that wound had nothing to do with this hit. Because it happened so, much, so long ago. It was a totally separate thing. But by an event, there's a special chumri. You have to let him free. So she says, here, if this guy gets hit in the first 30 days, who has to let him free? The first guy who sold him was still getting the pay risk for the first 30 days? Or the second guy who owns the guf? So our mayor says, the first guy has the din of Yomayimayim because... He's working for him. He learns the Paris are like Kenyan Agov. Rabbi Huda, second opinion, says, no, the second guy gets the whole deal of Yoyim Yamayim because it's his Kasef. He bought the evidence. He's not using him right now, but he owns him. So he holds Kenyan Paris. is not Kenyan Agov. Rabbi Huda says the third opinion who says that really both of them are going to have to pay Yoyim Yamayim. One, because... He, he owns him, the guf, and one because he has the kesef. He is one's getting the pairs, one's getting the guf. The one who actually has him has the pairs. The one, the one who owns the guf, it's his property. So, so Rabbi Yosi holds it. It's a suffolk. He's misupak whether can your pairs is kikin and the guf. So they're both going to be chayiv because it's a suffolk deraisa. I mean, that's not there. Suffolk nefashes. So we're not sure whether. We're going to kill somebody by suffering nefashas. We're makele not to kill the person. But Rabbi Eliezer has the fourth opinion. He says that neither of them have to pay Yomayim. Because one of them doesn't have him in his property. The other one doesn't own him. One doesn't have the pairs. One doesn't have the guf. And Rabbi explains Rabbi Eliezer. Because the Pasuk says, Ki hu. It has to be your money. Your property. If there's any other party involved, like someone who owns the Paris, that's not good. So the Gemara further asks, we have another Mimer that says, if you have a husband and wife that sell the wife's nechsim malug, nothing happened. You can't sell that. The husband owns the gof, the wife, uh, the, the Paris, the wife owns the gof, it's hers, bad them. Who says you can't sell that? Again, that's Rebbe Eliezer. He says you need exclusive buyers in order to be able to sell something. Over here, it's not that they each own 50%. They each own 100%. He owns 100% of the payers. Another guy owns 100% of the guf. And finally, the Gemara says, who's, who's the Ta'ano who holds that if someone has a Chansi Eved, Chansi Ben Chayrin, he's half freed. He had two owners and one of them freed him. Or an Eved that has two owners, a Shutzfin owned by an Eved. So if he gets uh, injured in a way that it won't grow back, he doesn't go free. So if Mordechai tells Ravashi that this was said also in the name of Rebbe Yazir, 
Just like Rabbi Lezer says that you can't sell something unless it's 100% yours. So it's over here. He says that it has to be 100% yours. In the next mission, we learn that if someone screams his dokea into his friend's ear, he has to pay him four zoos. Over here, we're talking about just for the embarrassment, Shibai. There's no physical damage. If Yehuda says the name of Yitzhaklili, it's a money, a hundred zoos. If someone were to slap somebody, he has to pay 200 zoos. If he slaps him with the back of his hand, that's even more embarrassing. That's 400 zoos. If he tugs on his ear, or he pulls out his hair, spits in his direction, and then the, the spit actually hits him, or he pulls off his outer talus, or uncovers his hair, uh, a woman's hair in the shuk, over there also very embarrassing, 400 zoos. The klal is that it goes according to everyone's covered I'm just going to explain that this is uh, whether this is a cooler or less based on this line of the Mishnah. Rabbi Akiva, he says that even the Aniyim should be Israel, the poor people, we have to look at them as if they were very, very chosh of B'nai Chayrin, who just or down in their luck, they lost their property. They were B'nai Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. They're very, very choshev. And their embarrassment is a lot more than you might think an Oni's embarrassment is. The, other Gemara, the Mishnah brings a Maisa. There's someone who pulled off a woman's hair covering in the Shuk. So when they brought this case to Rabbi Akiva, he said, look, it's a Bavarish Mishnah. You have to pay 400 zoos. It's very embarrassing. So this Talmud said, you know, Rabbi, give me a little time to pay back. All right, I need to pull together my 400 zoos. Okay, you got it. And this guy had other plans. He went and he watched this woman and stood at the entrance of her chatzir. And when she passed by, he dropped a barrel of oil right in front of her. And he wanted to see what she would do to be able to collect this oil. There's like an isser of oil in there. This woman pulls off her head covering and starts uh, lapping up this oil, putting it into her hair. Chayas to bring it in, something like that. So he stood there watching. With Adim, he brings the Adim to Bezdin, uh, to Rabbi Akiva, and says, Look, this lady's uncovering her here by herself for a little bit of oil. Why do I have to pay her 400 zoos for doing what she would do herself? Rabbi Akiva said, It's a wonderful plan, and you make a great point, but that doesn't change the halacha. Because even if someone were to wound themselves, they're not chayiv, but if someone else wounds them, they are chayiv. Just because they do it themselves doesn't make you part of for doing it to them. Similarly, if someone were to uh, cut down a tree, saplings, it's baltashkas, you're not allowed to. By your potter, if someone does that to your trees, they're going to be chayev. Now the Gemara says, when you say that you chayev a mona, which mona is this? A mona tzuri or a mona medina? There's different values, different types of mona, depending on the neighborhood. Rashi says, a mona tzuri is 25 slime, 100 zuz, a mona medina, worth less. So the Gemara brings a ma'isa of someone who screamed at his friend in his friend's ears. They brought this case to Yehuda for damages, for embarrassment. And Yehuda Anasi says, there's me, and there's Rabbi Yosi Haglili, pay a monotsuri. He passed a monotsuri. You see that uh, a monot means a monotsuri. Good. Now the Gemara says, one second, what was this? You know, ha, I know, ha, Rabbi Yosi Haglili. What was he saying? Was he saying that I saw the case happen? And Rabbi says to pay a monoturi. So pay a monoturi. Then he's in aid. He witnessed the, the, the event. How could he be the dying on the case? Bryson says that a Sanhedrin who sees someone kill someone, 
they can't be the Dayonim on this case alone. They, they have to divide up. The half of them are going to be the Dayonim, and half of them are going to be the Edim. According to Tarifan, the Mikiva says they can all be the Edim. None of them can be a Dayonim because an Eid can't be a Dayonim. And even Rabbi Tarifan that says they can split up, he just said that some of them can be Dayonim. But he, he agrees that an Eid can't be a Dayonim. So the Gemara has a number of answers. First, we can answer that the Bryce is talking about where they saw the whole thing happen that night, where they couldn't have done the din anyways. So the whole court case is, is just going on Shmua, not actual Eidos. Or he could just be saying that I hold like Rabbi Yisrael who says that, that Amone means Amone Tzori. And if you can find Adim, I didn't see it, but if you can find Adim, then bring them in and then I'll require the payment of a monetary. So the Gemara says, one second, Rabbi Akiva agrees that an aid can't be a Dayan. It sounds like he could, from a, he holds that you can from a Brysa. The Brysa learns the Pasuk of Ahocha, Vehiko Ishis Re'eyo Ba'evan of Egra, if someone hits his friend with a stone or his fist. Now Shimonate Money learns that just like a fist is something that you can bring in to uh, testify on, so too the stone, the weapon, has to be something which you could testify on, which, to a, is, which excludes a case where the weapon was lost. They don't have it anymore. Rabbi Akiva disagrees with Shemunat Money. He says what? Benson has to see the, the weapon? It has to see where the accident took place? They have to know exactly where and what and who hit? Maybe who? Does he have to know if he hit him on a stye? If someone pushed someone else off a roof, you have to bring the building in? Doesn't have to go in and, and examine the, 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 the building? No. If, it, if the, that building fell down, you have to rebuild it, reconstitute it? No, it just has to be like like a fist, and it has to be something which the Edim were able to examine. Not that the Edim had to bring it into Bezdin. So do anything that the Edim were able to investigate, as opposed to what? If the guy threw the rock and it immediately disappeared. So the Edim never got a good look at the stone. The Maisa, what do we see from here? There we are, Kiva holds that if the hitting was actually done in Bezdin they would be able to testify on that right his whole thing was like oh no, we don't have to go that far to actually make the thing happen right in front of Bezdin but he sounds like that would be good enough for him Kamara says no Rabbi Akiva was just talking within Shimonatemoni's Shita and saying that no no I totally disagree with you but he himself holds that an aid cannot be a diet. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.